We've been off for a little bit. I've fired the producer. Then I rehired that same producer. It's NFL Draft Week. NBA playoffs are going on. The Mariners are rolling. The Kraken are wrapping up their first season. College football's going crazy with the NIL. What a time to be alive. I'm Tim Kelly, and this is Courts and Fields. Coming to you live. Well, as of this recording, it was live. You're listening to it recorded. If you download it immediately, probably about an hour after this is recorded. So coming to you live from an hour ago, a day ago, a week ago, a month ago. This is the Courts and Fields draft preview. But before we start talking football, I just mentioned a bunch of sports. But... There's a lot of optimism in Seattle right now because your Seattle Mariners are 10 and 6. First place in the division. First, tied for first with those Canadian scum Blue Jays and those uh, inappropriate things we used to say about the Yankees between 95 and 2002. And probably will still say about them. Uh... Excuse me, 2002. <laughs> they just won 90 games. The Mariners didn't didn't make the playoffs. 2001, excuse me. But the Mariners, <clears throat> 10 and 6. Um, a Pythagorean <clears throat> win-loss record of 10 and 6. Scored 18 runs, uh, more than they've given up. They are crushing it right now. Uh, 39.7% chance to make the postseason. A 1.5% chance to win the World Series. This is great. Now, the pessimist in you will say, well, Tim, last year they were 10 and 6 and didn't make the playoffs. 2020, doesn't really count, 60 game season. Dodgers, congratulations on your <clears throat> World Series. Kind of funny how the LA teams uh, only uh, win championships lately in COVID times. Lakers, Dodgers. Rams, I'm counting the Rams one as a COVID championship. <clears throat> it was still two years into the pandemic. But yes, the Mariners had a nine-game homestand and went seven and two during that homestand, taking uh, two of three from the Astros, two of three from the Rangers, and sweeping the Royals this past weekend. The uh, Astros, <clears throat> I mean, just dismantled by the Mariners on Seattle's opening day. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, I'm not a huge fan of his. Uh, they won 11-1. to The worst part of this homestand is they got rid of Louie Louie after the 17th stretch and put a Macklemore song. Now, <clears throat> I am not a Macklemore hater. I have seen him in concert. But the fact... They got rid of Louie Louie. I mean, Louie Louie is an iconic song. Can't Hold Us by Macklemore, though I believe it was number one on the charts. It's not 2013 anymore. And Louie Louie is like 1963. But, eh, details. Apparently the Mariners want to go younger and hipper with their music selection. That's what they were told. But, I mean, you can still play <clears throat> the uh, songs. Uh, from, you know, you can still play Louie Louie at 7th and 8th stretch. You can still play Macklemore. I mean, they play the same, like, techno songs late in the 7th and 8th, ninth inning. That makes me think Kazuhiro Sasaki's going to come out of the bullpen. Um, <clears throat> they do, they, I, I mean, they play Seven Nation Army, which I, White Stripes are good. I do not like that song. It's been co-opted by every other team and every other sport. They barely play Zombie Nation. I've been to four games so far this year. I've heard Zombie Nation once. Zombie Nation is fantastic. Now, granted, also, a song that we probably heard first at Safeco. And uh, it's been co-opted by Gonzaga Basketball. Nothing against Gonzaga Basketball. But uh, what about who let the dogs out? Okay. I'll stop the nostalgia trip. 
to 2000-2001. After the Mariners' 10-run win on opening day, they uh, faced Justin Verlander. Yeah, and he smoked them. 4 nothing on a shutout. And then the Mariners ripped off three, lost to Texas in a game that the bullpen blew. Actually, the infield. I don't know what <clears throat> J.P. Crawford had uh, a couple of uh, throwing errors. And the Mariners uh, took care of the Royals this weekend. A four-hour... I went to both games this weekend. Both games went over four hours. One was nine innings. The other was um, <clears throat> 12 innings. They're still doing that ghost runner on third thing. Absolutely. Ghost runner on second, even though it's a real person. Putting the runner on second, starting inning, didn't really do anything. Um, as both the Royals and Mariners scored because the game was 3 3. Um, Saturday night, Mariners were up 6 1, got down 7 6, then came back. Uh, Royals had a reliever walk. First batter he faced, four pitch walk. Next batter was a five pitch walk. Then he walked the next two batters. Uh, including Julio Rodriguez, who has been getting, I mean, it's like, what, 13 called third strikes that have been out of the zone for Julio Rodriguez or something insane like that. Uh, but <clears throat> it worked for him this time. And he, um, yeah, he got the walk. And then, uh, yeah, short, uh, a few batters later, Ty France had a smoked a pitch right down the pipe. Three-run homer. Mariners took that one 13-7. And like I said, one 5-4 yesterday. Uh, as of this recording yesterday. Day off. Before they go on a road trip. Nine-game road trip. And this will test who they are. Three at Tampa. Three at Miami. And three at Houston. Now, I mean, Tampa has been predominantly very good lately. So that'll be good. Miami... Uh, as I still like to call them, the Florida Marlins, will, uh, they'll prove it's, you know, a test. I mean, you're on the road. Uh, and then obviously you have the Astros who are seven and eight, but they're always a, uh, they've been the class of the division. Uh, Tampa Bay right now, nine and seven, Miami seven and eight. So all these teams about the same records, it's all so early, but uh, as I was talking about as I was, as I was leaving the game, sure, they beat Texas, who's five and ten. They beat Kansas City, who's five and nine. These aren't particularly great teams right now. Uh, they don't strike me as being particularly great teams. Texas has won some games lately. They won two over the weekend, but um, Mariners got to show it on the road. You know, it's still April. April games count. Just as much as those uh, September games do. But, uh, you know, you can't celebrate anything yet. Because, like we said, they've had uh, a 10-6 and six start, a 13-3 start in the last two full regular seasons. And have found a way to miss the playoffs. But this team seems a little different. <clears throat> um, I mean, you have a ace and Robbie Ray who, uh, in four starts... Not looking his best self, but uh, he's going to get you innings. I mean, he's already got 25 innings pitched so far. The uh, Flex and Marco are doing what they do. Uh, Matt Brash, 24-year-old, got called up late last year. 15 innings, 11 walks. It seems like he will probably head to the bullpen at some point. Uh, that's probably what his future holds. If he can get his control down a little bit, but I mean, he's getting five innings per start. And I mean, his walks, I mean, not giving up a ton of hits, but his, uh, walks and hits per inning pitch lead all the starters. But Logan Gilbert, that's the man. Three starts, 0.54 ERA. Okay, granted, ERA is not the stat that it was, but 15 strikeouts in 16.2, or 16 and two-thirds of an inning. Looking at the uh, baseball reference, and it has .2. <clears throat> but, yeah, it, it's it's a team doing well. Uh, the bullpen, little iffy. Uh, a lot of guys out this week. I mean, broadcasters were out with COVID. The manager was out with COVID. Paul Sewald, uh, their 
and Sergio Romo both on the 10-day DL. I can't remember if Romo was on for COVID. Uh, Seawald was, and he's one of your better relievers. But, uh, yeah, uh, Johan Ramirez likes to give up runs. But Diego Castilla, he, uh, my coworker today, said he reminds him of Fernando Rodney, and I definitely see that. He's, I guess he's kind of in the closer role. Castillo, Streckenreiter, and Munoz all each have a save. The team only has three saves this season. But yeah, <clears throat> bullpen isn't hurting the team, but the bats. Um, <clears throat> Tom Murphy at this moment leads the baseball and batting average of the 421 average. That's your, I guess, starting catcher, though Cal Raleigh has the most games played so far. Um, Adam Frazier had a real good start to uh, the series, the home or the homestand. Uh, that's your leadoff hitter. Your two hitter, though, Ty France, 375 average. Heading into today was uh, leading in the league in plate appearances. Had the uh, on-base percentage plus. Five homers, 19 RBIs, uh, OPS of 1.116. I mean, got intentionally walked yesterday. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, the guy is just crushing it. Also, J.P. Crawford right there with him, 352 average, 471 on base, 574 slugging, also a menace. Those guys are doing well. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, who is the third baseman, uh, I was not a Kyle Seeger fan. I like Suarez. Uh, he's crushing it. Three homers so far this year, an 887 OPS. The outfield is the land of uh, struggling. Jesse Winker, great hitter. Only batting 154. But, I mean, he's already drawn 15 walks. Um, got a great eye. Once he starts making contact, holy smokes. Kelnick also hitting 154. Um, having a little more pop in his bat. Winker only has one extra base hit. Kelnick has a double, a triple, and two homers. Julio Rodriguez, the previously mentioned uh, player, getting all sorts of uh, grief for his uh, from umpires. Uh, yeah, 196 average. <clears throat> 524 OPS, not great. 25 strikeouts, we've already mentioned what that is. But has been intentionally walked. Three doubles on the year. Six of six on stolen bases. Pretty impressive. Um, I was debating heading into the weekend if they send him down. He had a very, uh, very good series against the Royals to where I don't think that will be the case. Uh, and I only thought he should go down just to get some more confidence. I mean, the guy is only 21 years old, but he had hits. He had five hits over the weekend, five of 12, two doubles, three RBIs, two walks, one of those intentional. <clears throat> so he's doing well. And he makes fantastic catches in center field. He's pumped. Um, I think he's, I mean, both him, Winker, I think when they start getting it going, it's going to be great. And uh, hopefully Kelnick can follow suit. But we shall see. But that's, that's, uh, we'll be talking more Mariners lately. Kraken season coming to an end. Only, I believe, four games left. They will, uh, Lost their last game. They've been on a pretty good streak. They've been playing 500 the last 20 games or so. So we'll see how that ends. They face the Los Angeles Kings. We really did not talk much Kraken. Uh, they called up Matty Berniers. He had, uh, he's played six games. <clears throat> the first five games he had a point. Scored three goals. Had two assists in those. But uh, finally against the Dallas Stars. That streak came to an end. Uh, you know, it's an expansion team. Well, I mean, Vegas gave unreasonable expectations for everyone, uh, myself included. Uh, I was hopeful the team could do um, uh, do some magic or have some magic and surprise people. But 
They, uh, they just weren't able to do it. Kraken will, at this moment, have the uh, third least amount of points. Montreal and Arizona both only have 51 points. The Kraken have 58. Uh, Chicago, Philadelphia, the New Jersey Devils all kind of hanging around there. So it looks like they'll be third in the draft lottery. <clears throat> they lucked out and got veneers. So hopefully, Fortune will be on their side. But 26, 46, and 6 right now with the uh, six overtime losses. But uh, they're, you know, again, expansion team. They, uh, they didn't take any particularly bad contracts. They need to get some depth in there. They've got, I mean, they pretty much control next year's draft. But we will see what happens with them next season. Talking a little bit of the NIL. Huskies lost on Josh Connerly, a Rainier Beach kid. He's going to Oregon. Sounds like Oregon and USC are doing their best with the NILs. And, you know, a school like UW, um, a lot of of animosity from the fans saying uh, the athletic department, Motlike Futures, needs to step it up. Sounds like their focus, uh, rumors are flying that their focus is going to be more towards established players and not high school recruits, but then... <clears throat> that's been debated back and forth. But new coaching staff loses out on Connerly. You can say, well, they should have got him. Oregon had a new coaching staff, but the infrastructure at Oregon has been better than that at UW for, I mean, let's be honest, uh, quite some time. Chris Peterson showed up and uh, was great for you dub during that time but uh all goodwill that uh, <laughs> Peterson had uh was torn down by Jimmy Lake. Kellen DeBoer kind of facing an uphill battle. Brought a lot of his staff with him from Fresno State. I mean, 10 years ago their defensive coordinator was coaching at South Dakota. My kid, the Coyotes are uh the second favorite college football team of uh, the Kelly household is my dad, Brian Kelly, played there. But, you know, that's... Uh, granted, Oregon's coach, uh, it's only 35, 10 years ago, he was probably uh, getting coffee for uh, Nick Saban or something. But I think it was... I think that's about right. <clears throat> my uh, Oregon friends will... And it's a tough statement to say. My Oregon friends can correct me if I've misspoke or anything but yes I mean they the USC will get whoever they want but uh UW has uh you know have always viewed themselves as the second team in the conference after SC but uh Oregon with this new NIL seems like they've uh They've really got uh, things going, and, uh, you know, UW's got to do, as uh, Floyd Money Mayweather would say, step your game up. Uh, A great segment he did once for Jim Rome's radio show. Back in the heyday when I used to listen to Jim Rome's radio show. Actually, it was for his TV show, but they always played the radio clips. Anyway, apologies for that tangent. Quickly, some basketball Boston Celtics sweeped the Brooklyn, not New Jersey Nets, the Nets. Um, <clears throat> Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, just no, just just didn't happen for them. Steve Nash will, I would assume, get fired for this. I mean, it just hasn't worked out for them. He, uh, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Uh, was quoted at the beginning of the year about how they're uh, they don't really have a coach. You know, they some nights he can coach. Uh, some nights maybe Durant's the coach. So yeah, pretty pretty interesting comments at the beginning of the year for Kyrie. We'll see how that will come back and bite him. <clears throat> but I mean, they had Ben Simmons. He didn't play. Maybe if he comes out and plays, that'll help the team. Joe Harris from Chelan, Washington. 
he uh, was hurt for them. But uh, yeah, just not a not a good look, especially when the Celtics Celtics at the beginning of the year did not look great, and all of a sudden they turned it around and uh, got it rolling. And boy, they've been one of the better defensive teams, well, the best defensive team lately. And yeah, sweeping the nets with Kyrie and Durant, that's huge. Uh, and also, <clears throat> I mean. We have Portland owns Portland's own Ime Udoku Udoka. Sorry, geez, I'm trying to say Sudoku. What am I doing here? But Doka was, uh, you know, a longtime Spurs assistant. Got the Celtics job, moving on to the second round of the playoffs. Steve Nash, great point guard. Both him and Udoka, former NBA players. But uh, Nash, <clears throat> not really a coaching background, and. Uh, Figuring out the hard way. Granted, they went to the second round last year. But uh, not a good look for one of the best players on the planet in Durant. One of the best players on the planet, uh, Kyrie Irving and Steve Nash. Uh, Also tonight, the Raptors took down the Sixers in Philadelphia, making a 3-2 series. Pascal Siakam came alive. Uh... Sixers should finish this off in Toronto. Raptors were without uh, Fred Van Fleet. But, uh, yeah, the Raptors, uh, I mean, they've kept it pretty pretty close. I mean, uh, a game-winning shot by Embiid a few, uh, few games ago really hurt them. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, who knows? Raptors could take... Game six and send it to game seven uh, in Philly coming up uh, later this week. And Dallas Mavericks, Luka returns. They take down the Jazz, 102-77 uh, <clears throat> in uh, Luka will probably, most likely, get to the second round for the first time in his career. The Jazz, another disappointment ending. Well, it's not over yet, but... It's going to be another disappointment ending the season. I imagine Quinn Snyder will leave as head coach. Um, Mike Connolly was one of six. Four points. Spider Mitchell, four of 15. O of seven. The team was three for 30 from three-point land. Uh, nine points, two boards, one assist, one steal. I mean... It'll be interesting to see what happens if uh, Mitchell leaves the team. I mean, they're going to have to blow this up. Gobert, go, Gobert, Gobert. I mean, it's just not working between him and Mitchell. Uh, I mean, maybe people have discussed getting rid of Conley, having Mitchell run the point, but Conley, a minus 38. Also, Bondogonich, Bogdanovich, 0 for 9. Him, Conley, and Mitchell were 0 for 15 shooting threes. Combined for 15 points. Uh, 5 of 30 from the field. I mean, the team shot 37%. Luka just cooked them. 33 points. <clears throat> 13 boards. 5 assists. Just, yeah. Going to be, be a long off season for Utah. We'll see. What happens there? Coming up uh, later this week, the Hawks and Heat, Game 5, Heat are up 3-1. The uh, Timberwolves and Grizzlies, that series tied at 2. So that series will, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. And the Pelicans and Suns, that series tied at 2. Booker's out for the Suns because of a hamstring injury. The Pelicans, they're uh, not putting up with Chris Paul's uh, shenanigans. Not, I am not a Chris Paul fan. He is cheap. And, uh, yeah, he was doing his little uh, cheap maneuvers uh, yesterday when the Pelicans beat the Suns. And their rookie players weren't putting up with it. And they're giving him a little bit. Uh, Paul, just non-existent the last game. He had a... He's getting all the praise when they won game four. Excuse me, when they won game three, but oof, non-existent. Timberwolves-Grizzlies, that's been a fun series. 
Uh, boy, the Timberwolves should be up 3-1. I mean, blown two 25-point leads. 25-point leads against the Grizzlies. And I believe that was game two. But, uh, yeah, it'll be... Uh, actually, excuse me, that was... Was that game two? Yeah, I guess it was game two. Uh, but yes. Nope, sorry, that was game three. Anyway, they blew it. And, uh, they might have to pay for those sins. And then, uh, yeah, then the, uh, later this week as well, the Bulls and Bucks will be in game five, as well as the Nuggets and Warriors will be in game five. Uh, Bucks lead 3-1. Doesn't seem like that should be much of an issue for the Bucks to finish that out at home. And, uh. The Warriors should finish the Nuggets. Nuggets had an inspired performance from Jokic. But uh, the Warriors are just too much. A lot of people. A lot of people are predicting the Warriors to uh, win the West now because of the injury to um, Booker. But we shall see. That hamstring gets healthy. Warriors having uh, a newfound star in Jordan Poole. It's going to be very... uh, very interesting. We'll see. I mean, this this weekend we might have some second round series begin, but uh, could have could have some game sevens. Very exciting, but not with the Bulls, Bucks, or the Nuggets and Warriors. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will come back, and we will talk NFL draft specifically. Okay, we'll just focus on the Seattle Seahawks. In the world of sports, there is nothing that I really enjoy more than the NFL draft. I mean, sure, I love watching the games played. But I've always been fascinated by the draft. I was looking to be like a boring draft this year for from a Seattle perspective. But then Russell Wilson got traded and the Seahawks, who had given up their first round pick, for Jamal Adams, that turned into the 10th overall pick. Acquired the 9th overall pick from Denver. And they also got Denver's second rounder. So, they now possess the 9th, the 40th, and the 41st pick. This is a interesting draft. It's uh, <clears throat> A lot of people want to throw parallels to the 2013 draft. Now, the 2013 draft really kind of goes as one of the uh, worst drafts in NFL history. It's not that you won't find good players. I mean, the Seahawks drafted Christian Michael. Oh, that's why it was a bad draft. But, uh, I mean, there were pro bowlers. Obviously, some guys are finishing up their career. But... There, there was a DeAndre Hopkins sighting in the first round. And Zach Ertz in the second round. Le'Veon Bell in the second round. Travis Kelsey in the third round. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger in the third round. Keenan Allen in the third round. Taron Armstead in the third round. Okay, David Bakhtari. <clears throat> Kyle Jusic. 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 Micah Hyde. You know, okay, there's some good players drafted. One drafted, A.J. Boye, Adam Thielen, former Seahawk legend Jason Myers, Jack Doyle. That's uh, Andrew Luck's favorite. But, you know, <clears throat> there's some solid players. But what really it came down to, Eric Fisher was the first pick. Luke Jokel, the second pick. Deion Jordan, the third pick. Lane Johnson, the fourth pick. Okay, he's been good. Ziggy Anza, the fifth pick. Three of those guys. So that 2013 was the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Jokel, Jordan, Anza, and the sixth pick, Barkevius Mingo, all showed up in Seattle. These guys aren't even 30 yet. This is, And they all played in Seattle after their rookie contracts. By the time they were in their mid to late 20s. Not a great draft. Tavon Austin was eighth. D. Milner, ninth. Chance Warmack, uh, 
a Seahawks signing. DJ Fluker, also a Seahawks signing. Sheldon Richardson also joined the Seahawks. So you have six of the, excuse me, seven of the first 13 players all played in Seattle at some point between 2017 and 2020. That's just wild. Just wild. That's not good. Those guys should be getting good second contracts. I also forgot to mention Xavier Rhodes and Corderell Patterson, both, and Travis Frederick. <clears throat> Good players, all first-round picks. But the point being, uh, Darius Slay, oh man, I forgot Slay too. Yeah, Jamie Collins. But then there's an Eddie Lacy who was a Pro Bowler, but terrible. So, like, good players, but Travis Kelsey will walk into Canton. Hopkins probably has a decent shot. Um... The rest of these guys, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. <clears throat> Just we're in a statistical era, era now. We'll see how it turns out. But Travis Kelsey is, I mean, Gronk is his contemporary. He's not as good as Gronk. But, you know, he might make the case for the second greatest tight end of all time. Uh, of the modern modern era, as I... I'm just going to start calling it now. Kelsey's probably the third best tight end. And the modern, modern era is the era where the quarterbacks don't get hit anymore. Uh, Gronk would be one. Gonzalez, he kind of spanned two eras. So if you want to count Gonzalez, but Kelsey, uh, probably third there. But enough about 2013. Just trying to give a little bit of context. So, and yeah, using NFL.com's grading system, they have a grading scale of eight to the lowest grade they give out is five and a half. Uh, Their grades before 2014 were on a different grading scale, but eight is the perfect prospect. 7.3 to 7.5 is a perennial all-pro. Seven or higher is a Pro Bowl talent. 6.7 is a year one starter. 6.5 to 6.6 is a boomer bust. 6.4 to 6.49 will become good starter within two years. 6.3 to 6.39 will eventually be plus starter. And then you drop to 6.2 uh, will eventually be average starter. And then everything under 6.2. Uh, 6.1 and higher is a good backup with potential development to a starter. Everything else is, yeah, you catch the drift. The highest rated prospect is 6.81, and that's Kyle Hamilton. And then Aiden Hutchinson, Hamilton's a safety. Aiden Hutchinson, a defensive end, is at 6.8. Evan Neal, Iki Iquanu, both tackles are 6.76, 6.73, respectively. Kayvon Thibodeau, pass rusher. 6.72, along with Sauce Gardner, our cornerback at 6.72. Trent McDuffie from UW, cornerback, 6.7. And Tyler Linden, Linderbaum, 6.7, and he's a center. So, <clears throat> there are only, you know, two, four, six, eight guys that they say these are going to be year one starters. Everyone else, because the drop-off goes from... uh. McDuffie and Linderbaum at 6.7 to everyone else being 6.5. Now, I'm not as down as that, but, man, I don't know how much the grades have been updated. But what we're going to do in this exercise, let's just go for what the Seahawks, I'm, I, I don't know if we're going to put exact players. Well, I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm the one making the decisions, right? We're not going to put specific players, but... We're going to go for some targets. So when you're Seattle, you've traded away your franchise quarterback. I feel like that's a dream. I'm in my studio right now. I am looking at a poster of Russell Carrington Wilson inside Seahawks Stadium. So that says, armed and dangerous. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I see a 12th man flag. 
there's a lot of great things. But what have the Seahawks become? Now, people have said, you know, did the Seahawks kind of tap out? Top out. They tapped out too, but top out. Uh, Pete and Russ, you know, the immovable object versus the irresistible force. Is that what it is? Anyway. Pete and Russ both weren't changing. It was time for one to go. Um, <clears throat> Russ lost that battle. Pete and John win. So, what do you do? I mean, they were a team that opened up, you know, they were a team that wants to, the Seahawks front offense wants to build an offensive line and a running game. Look at what they did in 2010. Uh, they brought in, um, <clears throat> uh, of course, now I'm, Blanking on Russell Okung's name. They drafted James Carpenter and John Moffat in 2011. Brought in Robert Gallery in 2011. Brought in Breno Giacomini. They inherited Max Unger, who was drafted the year before. So they started investing. I mean, those are all those guys. Okung was a second, or excuse me. Okung was a first round pick. Unger was a second round pick. Carpenter was a first round pick. And uh, Moffat, I believe, was a third round pick. But... That's where they invested. They then traded for Marshawn Lynch, and they were a running team. Russell came in. He was kind of the caretaker, but <clears throat> that was their identity. They also, um, you know, kind of changed things around. They had Red Bryant, moved him into his uh, unique position. They looked for their pass rusher, and... Uh, they found it in Bruce Irvin in 2012, uh, who they their Leo, who they wanted for that uh, after using Raheem Brock in 2010. But they churned and churned and churned, and they built their roster. I heard someone this week say it. Pete and John, they're builders. They're not the type of front office that wants to do contract negotiations. Okay, understandable, but that's kind of seems like it's 50-50 of the job. Well, they're getting a chance to do that. Does a 70-year-old coach have a rebuild in him? I hope so. Does a late 40s, early 50-year-old general manager have a rebuild in him? I think so. Their track record of drafting surrounding Russ has been spotty at best, especially on the things that they like to do, which is building across the lines. So with that first pick, what do you do? <clears throat> well, currently they have no tackles. I mean, they have tackles, but they don't really have anyone penciled in to be starters. Both last year's starters have not signed. Um, I mean, your starter right now would be, I don't know even know who you'd have on left side. Stone Forsythe, who was a, what, sixth, seventh rounder this past year, would be one of your starters. I think people are figuring they're going to go with Dwayne Brown. Um, <clears throat> so kind of need help all across the offensive line. You have two good receivers, but it's a three receiver league. They've invested a lot of money in tight end. They don't have a quarterback. Excuse me. They have Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Oh, that's right. They don't have a quarterback. Um, running back, Chris Carson. We don't know if he'll ever play again. And, uh, Shad Penny, who had a great uh, five-game stretch of beating up bad teams at the end of the year, but has been injury-prone. So there's the optimism. Defensively, you got Puna Ford. Okay. Uh, they signed Al Woods. So you're, you, have, you have decent defensive tackles, but Puna's going to be up for a big contract. You need, some, you, you need another young, you know, cost-effective contract. They have Daryl Taylor as their Leo, but they need a defensive end. They cut Bobby Wagner, so they have Jordan Brooks, but then you have Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvan as your other linebackers. They let DJ Reed go, your best cornerback. So now you're down to uh, rookie Trey Brown, who finishes rookie year uh, injury uh, on the injured list. He finished his rookie year's injury. Yes, that's 
great. Um, and then, yeah, you're just relying on Ugo Amadi, other corners that you just found off the scrap heap. And uh, your safeties are Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, who are both good players, but also both uh, Diggs into the year on injured reserve. Adams is, as did Adams. Adams just, yeah. Uh, big money contract. Need to get some big money production. And you're in a draft when, at least according to NFL.com rankings, the consensus best player, or excuse me, the highest graded player is a safety. So if Kyle Hamilton falls to you, will they take him? I absolutely don't think so because they're paying... I mean, over $30 million for two safeties, who I like both digs and, um, well, I'm torn on Adams. I like digs. Adams, eh, uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong this year, but you're paying them more than you paid Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, two of your three best safeties to ever play for your team, along with Hall of Famer Kenny Easley. Uh, the problem with Seattle is they've been trying to fill holds and not take the best available player. Uh, the nice thing is they have holes everywhere. So you can take the best available player. Uh, the problem is Evan Neal and Equanwu are the only offensive tackles that are worthy of, of drafting with the ninth pick. There's Charles Cross from Mississippi State, but he's coming from two years in an air raid passing system. And he's also in the will-become-good starter within two years. You have uh, Trevor Penning, who is uh, from Northern Iowa. Again, small school uh, prospect. But really, you want Neil, you want Ikonwu, the problem is Neil and Akamu will um, both be gone by the time the Seahawks draft. Uh, just because there are teams that have quarterbacks that, uh, I mean, Jacksonville, it sounds like Jacksonville will probably go with a defensive end, but if they were smart, they would take Neil and boom, Trevor Lawrence as a pass protector for the rest of his uh, Jacksonville career. But, uh, yeah, both those guys we will say goodbye to. So then it comes down to, the uh, as the book The Blind Side said, the tackles are the most important position besides the quarterback. A lot of people say the next best is a pass rusher. Um, Aiden Hutchinson will be gone by then. Kayvon Thibodeau seems to be falling. People question his heart. Uh, He would be a great pick for the Hawks, as would Hutchinson. So I'm giving you, those are are four players so far uh, that I would like to see at nine. But I'd be shocked if those guys were gone. Trayvon Walker is another defensive line from Georgia. Had one of the greatest underwear Olympics of all time. And uh, might move up from a second round, being a second round pick. He'll definitely be a first round pick. Might move up and be the first pick overall for Jacksonville. Um, The other ones that the Hawks should look at, like we mentioned, cornerback. Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley Jr. would both be uh, good picks for them, uh, both corners. I don't know about if McDuffie will go that. Stingley is very good as a freshman, has gotten a little worse as time has gone. Uh, not worse, he just hasn't been as exciting. Sauce Gardner at Cincinnati, but uh, Sauce is comped to Richard Sherman, which would be fantastic. For everyone involved, Sauce and the Seahawks. But he's a 
Long, lean, and linear cornerback. He's six foot three, just like Sherm was. So love to see him in Seattle. <clears throat> what <clears throat> what I think will happen is they will reach on Cross or Penning, but they could also go for a quarterback, as uh, one analyst I heard say. If you want a quarterback, I believe it was Michael Sean Dugar from The Athletic, Seahawks beat reporter. If you need a quarterback and you want a quarterback, just take the quarterback. No one's going to, uh, you know, if it works out, no one's going to blame you for getting a quarterback too high. But that lies the problem. Your quarterbacks this year, not a terrible class, but not a great class. I mean, the big four that are going to be drafted in the first round or second round, Malik Willis from Liberty, who was a backup at Auburn, went to Liberty, put up good numbers, but uh, uh, some questions on the accuracy, some questions, obviously, on the competition, a little bit on the decision-making. I did not watch a ton of him. He's got the Jay Cutler arm, so he's got that sweet arm. But, uh, yeah, he uh, misses opportunities, allows for throwing windows to close on him. Not consistent with throwing mechanics. Gets a little uh, happy feet. He'll take off at times when he maybe should stay in the pocket. So, but he's got that electric arm. People think he could be go as high as two to Detroit. A lot of people about a month ago were thinking he'd be in Seattle. You got Kenny Pickett, who uh, compares to Andy Dalton in the prime years. Is that good if you have Super Bowl aspirations? I'm not going to lie. I would have a very... Um, if they used a first-round pick on this guy, yeah. And he has small hands. Uh... They say he has nervous feet. Yeah, I just, I would not like it. Also, had a big senior year, and that kind of vaulted him up the quarterback standings. Matt Corral, from California, a Lane Kiffin student. So people are like, okay, okay, this might be good. His NFL comparison is Baker Mayfield. Um, very slender frame. Uh, played from heavy play action in RPO offense. Uh, needs to throw his deep ball quicker, and it's believed it's going to take a couple years for him to get, for him to develop. And as we know, Seattle has great developing. Uh, it's been great at developing quarterbacks. I mean, they did have Russ Wilson, but uh, I don't think uh, the offensive coordinators helped. Too much of that. The quarterback that I would like, Desmond Ritter, compared to Alex Smith. Okay. Okay. Um, his deep balls have a tendency to come up short. Uh, average arm strength for tight window throws. Wind-up slows overall release quickness. Struggle in throwing receivers open. Inconsistent accuracy on intermediate throws. Okay, okay, okay. Sure, why would I want that guy? I don't want any of these guys at nine. But any of these guys, when you got picked 40 and 41, I'm not opposed to it. I like Ritter. Ritter played a lot. He won in college. He's got 10-inch hands. Not those baby hands like Kenny Pickett. But, uh, yeah, avoid those guys. Obviously, what I think Seattle will do is probably trade down. Unless one of those... You know, quote-unquote elite talents, even though there's not an elite talent in this draft, falls to them. If Thibodeau falls, or if Neil or Kamwu falls, I have a feeling they'll take one of those three. And even if Trayvon Walker falls for whatever reason, uh, I see him if Sauce Gardner's there. I see them taking Sauce Gardner. I just hope that if the people they are targeting, like there's Jermaine Johnson good pass rusher from Florida State, but he dominated bad competition. I hope if that's the pass rusher that's left, they'll trade down, get some more picks. I mean, you go from 
somewhere like 9 to 12, 9 to 15, you're getting an extra pick in, uh, you know, the top 100 at least. And this is a draft that is like 2013. I rattled off a bunch of good names. The top echelon names, they're not really there in the top of the draft, but there's a lot of depth. Uh, also, what I'd like to see Seattle, we mentioned it. Okay, let's get a running back in the second round. There, If that's what you want to do, there's two running backs, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Both those guys are the two top running backs. Hall is comparable to Matt Forte. This is, this is again, second or uh, your second round pick, 40 or 41. Walker is a uh, uh, Michigan State. Both those guys, big workloads. Walker comparable to Willie Parker. I don't like Willie Parker. Maybe I don't like Kenneth Walker. But both those guys, a lot of wear in college, but they're runners. They'll be ready to go. The Hawks need a running back. But um, over at the Seahawks draft blog, Rob Staten, he's big <clears throat> on Damian Pierce. Says he really is a Seahawks type running back. Compares to Isaiah Crowell. But, uh, you know, violent runner. Uh, can create yardage in a phone booth. Uh, and cover, work the seam over cover linebackers, but <clears throat> just nine career games with 10 or more carries, but that's all right for wear and tear. So there's, there's that. Maybe the Hawks, uh, you know, there's always rumors that DK may be traded. Do you go after a wide receiver? Some decent wide receivers. Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, Traylon Burks. From Arkansas, Jamison Williams coming off a torn ACL from Alabama. Chris Olave from Ohio State. Drake London from USC. There's some guys. There are... It would be interesting to see. I... <clears throat> I mean, if one of these receivers falls in the second round, I say go after them. Uh, but... Because you need that third wide receiver. Uh, but... You just maybe a third or a fourth rounder on one of these other guys. A Khalil Shakur from Boise State. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. He's a big wide receiver. Um, yeah, there's that. Uh, oh, forgot to mention. Another pick. Linderbaum. Might be sliding because of injury concerns. Kind of a small center. But a lot of people are saying, oh, he's a 10-year starter in the league. You know, he's going to be... Just pencil him in there, and then people think he'll be in the second round. I don't think that's going to happen. If uh, Linderbaum is available, uh, that would be a guy I would like, wouldn't mind the Hawks taking in the first round if they traded down, get a few more picks to go with that. Uh, they just they need linebackers, like I said. Uh, Nakobe Dean, Devin Lloyd, Quay Walker. Christian Harris, Channing Tindall, and there's three Georgia guys that are the top prospects. Uh, Leo Chanel, Troy Anderson, there's some good linebackers. Again, this is just, it's a depth draft. Uh, cornerbacks, like I said, we mentioned Stingley, we mentioned Sauce Gardner, but there's Kyler Gordon from UW, Trent McDuffie from UW, Kair Elam, uh, Andrew Booth, Elam's from Florida, Booth from Clemson, Roger McCurry from Auburn, Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of big corners too. You got Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State, Tariq Woolen from Texas San Antonio. The 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 big corner is here, but uh, yeah, I just <clears throat> ideally first. I mean, again, you got to go with best player available, but. I'd like them to trade down, get some picks. You got to come away early. I mean, you don't, you need cornerbacks. You need tackles. You need pass rushers. Though, I mean, look at what the Hawks did. If they're, if they're recreating what they did in 2010 through 2012. 
They started building the offensive line, like we mentioned. Then they started getting linebackers and uh, um, defensive backs as well. I mean, you got um, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor in 2010. 2011, you got Byron Maxwell and um, Richard Sherman. Um, then you also uh, got K.J. Wright in 2011. You got Bobby Wagner in 2012. It's just, you know, it's a constant. It's just getting the best player that fits your scheme at that time. And all those guys I just mentioned, Earl was a first-round pick, but Sherman, fifth-rounder. Uh, uh, what was... Uh, Wagner was a second rounder. Um, KJ Wright, I believe he's the hundredth pick, so that was a fourth rounder at the time. The um, Maxwell was a sixth rounder. Sorry if I said that. Uh, Cam Chancer, fifth rounder. A Super Bowl MVP, Malcolm Smith. They took in twenty eleven. He was a seventh rounder. You can find those guys, but they didn't reach for people. Well, they might have reached for people. They weren't going for. Let me re- let me backtrack that. I absolutely believe they reached for players, but they weren't filling holes. They were getting the best player that they thought, and that's what they need to go back to. And I would like to see the lines built up. If you want to be that Smash Mouth team, it, early on, get a good offensive lineman, get a good defensive lineman, uh... I mean, again, I guess I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I'm saying you want to have, uh, (laughs) you got to get the best player available. But the best player available seems to be in that first round, a tackle or a defensive lineman. Get one of those guys. You need a cornerback. If if Gardner's the best guy, take Gardner. Don't get too cute. Build this team up. Again, if you really like one of those quarterbacks, take one of those quarterbacks. You have ammunition for next year. You've got your own first round pick you've got Denver's first round pick you've got Denver's second round pick you've you've got you've got a lot of picks um and yeah I I want the Hawks I mean they have a lot of holes you gotta come away with a um an offensive lineman that can be a starter for you in two years you gotta come away with a pass rusher that will be a starter for you within the next two years you got to get a starting caliber linebacker. You've got to get a starting caliber cornerback. Um, you got to get a starting caliber wide receiver. I mean, they're, you're getting the David Moores and the... Um, I mean, those are, the, 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 those are your, your Penny Hearts. Those are your third... Uh, Freddie Swain. Those are your third wide receivers right now. you gotta you got to get a good third receiver. And, and you gotta get got to get a quarterback... Uh, but they, the last time they did this process, the quarterback came in year three, the running back was not drafted. The running back was traded for. Now, I don't think you're going to have a, uh, disgruntled Marshawn Lynch, you know, type first round talent, hall of fame talent that will become available to you. But Hey, you never know. Um, but you just got to get the pieces and you got to be ready, and you just got to look at this year, and say, "Hey, I know, I know Pete Carroll's mantra is always compete, but I don't know if this team is. I mean, you're having Drew Locke or Geno Smith be the quarterback for your team, and you just got questions, got holes all over the place. I'm very hopeful, but I'm looking at this year as 2010 and 2011." And uh, if, with their extra capital, get that going next year and get the team all built up. Personally, I would not take a quarterback this year. And get the team built up like they did. That way you can plug in a quarterback and not get a guy who's compared to Andy Dalton, a guy who's compared to Baker Mayfield, a guy who's compared to uh, Jay Cutler.
Well, thank you for listening to Quartz and Fields. As always, I'm Tim Kelly. Like I said, let's hope this draft, they build, they build, they build. And they don't trade DK Metcalf because my biggest fear, they do, they go to the draft, they trade DK, they find out that they're not as good as rebuilding as they were a decade ago, and this front office is out in two years, we gave away our best offensive players, our two best offensive players in the same year, and they're starting from scratch with most likely an offensive-minded head coach. Because, you know, when you bring in a new coach, they usually are the opposite of the previous coach. But yes, the draft is upon us. It'll be great. It'll be fun. And we'll have a bunch of hope. And when I talk to you next week, I will find a way to talk myself into Charles Cross. <laughs>